To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. Almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself. share donate positive sarcasm.com slash donate any amount is appreciated uh other ways of supporting this program and all things ps you can go to the website positive sarcasm.com there's a small merchware page available so you can rock the gear or the coffee mug or the water jug there is also the weeble app which the link is in the the affiliate link is in the description down below there are several investment programs that you can get yourself started with uh and yeah there's also the cash management system in there and of course if you sign up uh, using the affiliate link you'll get free stocks that start you off right and then i'll get free stocks just from you using my uh affiliate link so it's a great way of supporting this platform i have other ways that you can check me out posing music for you competitive fitness freaks that's available at my website send me an email for uh, requesting yours and of course there is the music reaction channel slowly gaining steam uh at positive sarcasm reaction so if you want to go ahead and dive into that kind of thing that's another part of me that you can invest in so there you go there you have a question concerns comments you can find me on instagram at positive underscore sarcasm exclusively on rumble for the video portion of this platform um but the audio version is anywhere where podcasts are available including substack at positive sarcasm so there you are and off we go starting off with this little ditty um article monitor there we go this is a logitech f310 wired plug and play usb gamepad controller uh, I believe this is also available in this is the wired version but it's also available in wireless now uh, let's see about this product plug and play USB controller 10 programmable button 8-way programmable d-pad customizable with profiler software broad game support blah 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 looks like a straight-up run-of-the-mill cheap-ass gamepad controller um, why would this why would you even care well it just so happens that a similar product was used to control a mini sub which imploded off the coast of the Atlantic Ocean about a week ago killing five people the same controller or similar actually no it's the same controller only I believe that's the wireless version of it so your your lives are in the hands of a $20 gamepad simple as that so if the battery dies you die um great fantastic if I saw that if I was like if Elon's like hey you want to go to Mars and I'm like yeah and he's like okay hit the X button and that'll cause liftoff and then he hands me the controller I'd be like, nah, fam, I'm going to stay on the ground. <laughs> no, thank you. That is should have been a telltale sign for anybody that you should get the fuck out of that boat. But, sadly, five people perished. Now, as you know, with me, tragedy plus time equals comedy. And since it's been a solid five days, well, the reviews are already in on Amazon. And boy, people just love it. So, the first one, Gavin, 10 out of 10, works perfectly for piloting my improvised submarine. Um, there are, you know, there's legitimate reviews here, but, um, you know, there are some people that, you know, three stars, Kenneth, worked for a while, was fine for a while controlling my submarine, lost collection though, lost connection though, and we sort of just drifted off course. Probably should have bought something a bit nicer. So, yeah, people are obviously making the jokes at the expense of the five lost. But, you know, it's kind of, I'll be perfectly honest with you, it's kind of funny. Now, the, so I'll get back to, so $15, 
equals five dead civilians. Uh, yeah, literally, it's the same controller, 15 bucks. Okay, just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, the US Navy said that, well, people were claiming that the Navy knew that the people died, that, that the submarine had had a tragic ending at least several days prior to uh, the search and rescue efforts. Well, there is some truth to that, but at the same time, what the hell do you expect the Navy to do? They heard a loud bang around the proximity of where the ship went down. But that can mean a host of things. Now, literally, there are ways that the U.S. Navy can, to detect, can detect anything that's happening close by. But they can't necessarily put exactly their finger on what exactly is going on. They're not, they're not that sophisticated. However, anything that comes near our shores you literally sneeze within proximity of our shores and the united states navy is going to know about it and respond to it and before you know it your ass is surrounded by subs much larger than the one that imploded now let's be perfectly honest with you the implosion of a submarine is essentially certain death for anyone who's on board because it doesn't explode it implodes the metal the metal crumbles within itself and the pressure inside of it turns everybody else into fucking smushed hot dogs it is sad but that's how it is and it happens pretty quickly you can go online you can look up implosion tests on tubes and you'll see it be like oh that happens within a millisecond this happens um but the sosis warning nets that take that are uh in place all around the coast of the United States detecting anything that is making even a little bit of noise uh, crossing our shorelines. We know about it. We, we hear it. We're not exactly sure what it is, maybe off the top of our heads, but we know it's there. So hearing a loud bang is something that the U.S. Navy can definitely uh, detect. Now, what kind of loud bang? Well, it could be anything. The loud bang would be essentially, in this case, the sound of metal crumpling within a millisecond and causing these massive shockwaves in the water that sail past these warning nuts and tell these guys with the headphones on, not me, being, hey, there's just a loud, there was a loud incident in the water. We should probably go check out what it is. Now, it could have, now, I mean, I'm obviously not in the Navy, but the idea that a loud bang occurred the loud crumbling of it could mean a couple things could be like hey maybe they skipped off of a rock hey maybe uh you know there's something approaching our shores or maybe there was a mechanical failure or something imploded there's a lot of different factors but metal banging or something like, like something lat loud obviously they would detect but there's no you can't be like as soon as the loud bang happened up oh, they imploded Mike, you owe me 20 bucks. Told you they wouldn't make it. It doesn't, it's not like, it's not like that. As far as what I understand, it doesn't work like that. Now, there are articles detailing uh, the warning nets that are off the coast of the U.S. And to go, we'll go into it a little bit and further in depth a bit. Um, so the sound surveillance, uh, the sound surveillance system, or also known, like I said, as SOSIS, uh, in the mid-1950s, during the Cold War, the U.S. Navy installed an underwater surveillance system to track submarines. Because during the 1950s, Cold War Part 1, um, there was a lot of Soviet activity, whether they were um, testing atomic weapons or they were um, basically strafing off the coast of the United States, testing out, you know, uh, you know, a, a, basically first strike capabilities, whether it be with battle cruisers or with... Um, with nuclear submarines or whatever. That's basically what it was designed for. So the sound system, uh, SOSIS is a multi-billion dollar network of hydrophone arrays mounted on the sea floor throughout the Atlantic and Pacific oceans. The SOSIS system takes advantage of the sound channel that exists in the ocean, which allows low frequency sound to travel great distances. The channel is called Sound Fixing and Ranging, or SOFAR channel. Um, low frequency sound Right? Am I looking at the wrong thing? Yeah. Low frequency sound generated by submarines can be detected at long ranges by hydrophone arrays located on continental slopes and seamounts. And 
connected by undersea cables to onshore facilities. These hydrophone arrays listen to the ocean, record sounds, and transmit the data back to shore stations for analysis. Uh, at the end of the Cold War, the U.S. Navy decided to allow this system to be used by scientists with suitable security clearances and what was called dual use. SOSIS is now used to study hydrothermal vents and pinpoint underwater volcanic eruptions. Uh, the system is also used to study the vocalization of whales. Scientists can track, study and track whales in the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans using the SOSIS hydrophone arrays. Hydrophone home. This system has also been used to measure ocean temperatures in relation to climate change. By measuring the travel time of sound waves, the SOSA system is able to record av uh, record average ocean temperature changes over an ocean basin. There is additional information here about how sound is used to find the submarines. So submarines have a unique advantage over other types of military vessels because they are able to stay hidden below the sea surface. One way of detecting and locating submarines is by using passive acoustics or active acoustics. The objective of passive acoustics is to detect the sounds produced by a submarine, such as propeller, engine, and pump noise. These sounds can be identified by experiencing by experienced sonar operators. Each type of submarine has a, a unique sound profile that makes up the acoustic signature of the vessel. Submarines themselves are equipped with passive sonar systems, such as towed arrays, of hydrophones that are used to detect and determine the relative position of underwater acoustic sources. Integrated underwater surveillance system. Uh, the sound surveillance system is a network of passive acoustic hydrophones on the seafloor during the Cold War, blah, 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 blah. The hydrophone waves are connected to the shore station, so we've already talked about that. In the 1980s, the um, network of fixed arrays was augmented by acoustic surveillance ships deploying the surveillance towed array sensors. CERTAS, which is a towed array line, towed line array over 2,400 meters or 8,000 feet long. Because they are used on a, used on a mobile platform, CERTAS greatly increases the area where submarines can be found. The combined CERTAS and SOSIS systems are part of the integrated undersea surveillance system. By the end of the Cold War in the 1980s, the ability of passive acoustics to detect and track Soviet nuclear submarines at long ranges had decreased significantly. Modern diesel electric submarines are much quieter and more difficult to detect by passive listening. In the 1990s, the classified SOSIS network was open to scientists with security clearances I've just stu studied. Then active sonar systems, uh, active acoustics to find submarines much the way people use active acoustics to find fish. By transmitting a sound pulse um, and, re uh, and receiving the echo on an array. The sonars can determine the direction of the echoes that return from objects hit by the sound. That can also measure the time it takes to time it takes for echoes to return and calculate the distance for the object cause, causing the echo. <clears throat> A skilled sonar operator or computer program can distinguish submarine echoes from those of the ocean bottom features, whales, schools of fish, etc. Much research continues to be done on classifying the kind of echoes that different objects make. So there was a lot of ways uh, for us to detect anything that's going on in the Atlantic or Pacific Ocean or the Gulf of Mexico, um, which I believe there is in the Gulf of Mexico. So there's actually a picture here. Let me go ahead and open that image in a new tab here. So this is the IUSS Manning in the 1970s. So there's one off of the coast of the Alaskan Strait. There's a couple in the Pacific Ocean, of course, two, near, two or three near the Hawaii area. There's a bunch along the uh, Pacific Ocean, California, all the way up to Washington State. Uh, Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, New England, uh, New York, Washington, D.C., um, Annapolis area. There's one right in the middle of the Atlantic. There's a bunch um, in front of the... Grand Bahama Islands. So let's see. Antigua, Argentina, Barbados, Bermuda, Brody, Cape Hatteras, Eleuthera, Grand Turks, uh, Keflavik, Lois, Nantucket, Shelburne. And then on the Pacific sites, they got Attic, Barbers Point, Centerville Beach, Beach, Coas Head, Coos Head, excuse me, Guam, Midway, Pacific Beach, Point Sur, and Saint Nic and San Nicolas. So that's the IS the IUSS Manning in the mid-1970s. So obviously a lot was going on. When it comes to um, why did this get so fucking huge? Jesus Christ! Oh, I know why. 
Um, so obviously when it comes to like nuclear deterrence of submarines, just kind of, you know, running, doing strafing runs up and down our sea coast, we were already um, ahead of the curve to make sure that they weren't going to uh, won't get fooled again. So there was that to keep into account. But, you know, when it comes to submarines literally popping in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, you know, we got a sense that something was wrong pretty quick. It was just a matter of a few days of going down there to find the rubble literally just, you know, you know, all zitted out on the bottom floor next to the Titanic. Hmm. Want to come, uh, mention a couple of things, uh, a couple of commentary items that I've I've been thinking about over the past uh, several weeks here. So one, I was, I am obviously a fan of Joe Rogan. I'm obviously a fan of you know his guests and things like that. And I generally, I don't talk about it too much. I just kind of listen. I just kind of listen to my podcast and gather information and look into certain things and you know I'll go from there. Um, I'm obviously a Roganite. I enjoy listening to his guests. I'm some. I'm a huge fan of some of some of his guests in particular, whether they be comedians or scientists or philosophers or professors or whatever. Um, directors, actors, and I noticed. Um, I was listening to a little bit of what's his name, Oliver Stone. You know Oliver Stone, born on the Fourth of July, platoon, uh, documentarian, amazing director. And he was on there, and he's a big fan of nuclear power. And he was talking about how clean nuclear power is and some of the, a lot of the myths that go with it, uh, that, that are coming with it, and why people are so anti-nuclear. As a matter of fact, I believe Germany was so uh, anti-nuclear that they turned on some coal or natural gas plants. And it's like, that's pretty asinine. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of petrol engines. I love internal combustion engines i think they're fucking awesome and i think the innovations they've made with them over the past uh you know 50 years is something extraordinary because you know the amount of power you can get out of a, a modern day v8 engine as opposed to a, a v8 engine that was made in the late 1960s is significantly night and day a matter of fact the amount of power that you can get out of a, a four-cylinder turbo as opposed to uh the engine i have in my mustang you know something pretty impressive that being said, the things that I can do to my my fucking uh, 20-year-old muscle car, uh, you need to watch the fuck out because if I ever just do decide to do them, your four-cylinder turbo doesn't stand a fucking prayer. Uh, anyways, moving on here, getting a little deep, deep. So we're talking about mentioning nuclear power and things like that and how safe it is. And yes, I agree. It's, it is very clean. It is good. It is, when done properly, easy to dispose well not dispose but store these items or reuse these items or or whatnot and the fact that we don't do more nuclear even though if you have nuclear even though if it's like you know the the what are they called smus or smrs oh uh, you know they're they're portable or they're smaller nuclear reactors very small nuclear reactors that can essentially power like a city and i believe they're called smrs but they're just basically small nuclear reactors um i think rolls royce is I think I did a I think I did a podcast about it way long ago in, in the original Spare Parts Studio about how these things are being uh, Rolls Royce was essentially developing the technology for them and they were just looking to get a contract to have them deployed and they would be really valuable although it'd kind of make them a little bit of a target in the United States if we just had them strewn about the place but I mean when you think about it nuclear energy. Um, compared to obviously cleaner and more efficient, definitely cleaner and more efficient than natural gas, coal, wood burning. So cleaner than that. Is it cleaner than solar and wind? Well, uh, that's a great question, but I can tell you this when it comes to a wind farm or a solar farm, it is far more efficient as far as putting out power puts out more significantly more power than a wind farm does significantly more power than a solar array do, a farm does um however i know we're talking about solar state batteries are are in the near future possibly but when it comes to like right now the ability to make these things and mine for uh whatever whether whatever it is if it's cesium or uranium or plutonium or whatever whatever they use to power nuclear reactors nowadays it is very efficient it is essentially very safe um, and the protections they, they place around these items, unlike 
some of the things that have happened in our incredible uh, world history. Nuclear reactors are incredibly safe, incredibly safe, incredibly efficient, um, and climate friendly to say, to be accurate, I would say. Um, so I would absolutely support having more nuclear reactors in places where no harm could be done. I would fully support that over a wood burning plant or, or a coal burning plant over a natural gas plant. I would say so for sure. Um, even though, you know, they are susceptible to, you know, other things, but I'm, I'm not going to go into that. I mean, there's a lot of things that are kicking around that are susceptible to, you know, uh, you know, outside forces, but we'll leave it as is. We do very well with maintaining the nuclear plants that we do have. They've been around for a very long time. We have a process in place of replacing the uh, the dying power sources that are the power cells that are in them. And um, our track record, with the exception of maybe Three Mile Island, uh, which actually wasn't too, too bad, we've had a very good track record. Now, when it comes to Chernobyl, which we've talked about at length on this podcast, uh, Oliver Stone has a different take. He says, it, you know, it was no big deal. It killed 50 people. Or maybe I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he really just kind of threw it aside. Like, it wasn't it wasn't bad. It killed 50 people, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. Um, it's like, look, let's just, let's just set the record straight here about Chernobyl. And regardless of what um, the government says about it and regardless of what the Russians or the Ukrainians say about it, Here's the truth about Chernobyl. The fucking roof blew off of the reactor. First of all, the the lid of the reactor blew off before the roof blew off. And we're talking several hundred tons of just fucking pure metal designed to keep this shit in. And this is... Why did this happen? It was a very cheaply made um, uh, nuclear reactor, RBMKs, that didn't have a lot of preventative measures attached to them in a very, very dangerous communist government um, that wasn't about the people's safety. That wasn't about the truth. Uh, but oh, only 50 people died? Okay, that's fine. So let's break down those 50 people. First of all, the fucking red, the flid blew off of a nuclear reactor and exposed it to the night sky, and it burned for a very long time, spewing out an, in an insane amount of nuclear energy, radioactive material, isotopes, people dying within hours of being exposed to it, within days after of being exposed to it, within years of being exposed to it, the genetic defects that came about it. The fact that only 50 people died because of this is because they essentially, a town just a, a little bit, little ways down the road called Pripyat was a small cookie cutter town. Um, how many people were in Pripyat? Let me look that up. Um, let me do Pripyat population. Population of Pripyat was 47,500 people with people of 27, 27 nationalities living in the city. It was founded in 1970, uh, proclaimed a city in 1979, and da, 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 blah, 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 blah. The annual population growth at the time was more than 1,500 people, among which about 800 were newborns, and approximately five to 600 came to, the, came to permanent residence from different regions of the Soviet Union. The projected population of Pripyat was 75 to 85,000 people. Okay, so basically, uh, there's a town in my in my state called Manchester, and that's around like a hundred thousand people. So imagine there's a nuclear plant just down, just a few miles away, blows up. Well, these forty-seven thousand people were evacuated within days. So if these 47,000 people stayed, they would have been in direct, direct fallout of everything that was coming out of that fucking place. Okay, so instead of 50 people dying, 
or 50 people suffering genetic defects or long-term illnesses or some type of cancer or you know whatever you had 40 you could have approximately a significant amount of 47,000 people dying so let's just say Chernobyl blows up all the radioactive debris falls right on Pripyat it gets in the soil it gets in the water it gets in the pool the swimming pools it gets in the food it gets in the livestock it gets in people's hair it gets in people's uh, tables all that stuff it gets in the drinking water it gets in everything and then people are just eating it and drinking it and smelling it and the radioactive arrays are just going through your clothes through your cells through your kids through your refrigerator through everything 50 people died try 47,000 people would have died if the Russians had not evacuated them now I'm not giving the the Soviets excuse me the Russians the Soviets we'll call them the Soviets I'm not giving the Soviets any credit for really I'm not giving them a pass for what took place during the Cold War and God knows we probably didn't do them any favors as the United States the quote the good guys but still they had the at least the brains to get 47,000 people the fuck out of Dodge because they know that trying to contain the incident, trying to contain the incident, trying to contain the information, 50 people. Okay, we lose. They claim first of all the Russian, the Soviets only claim that a few people died when we know it was far more than that. But you can't contain the spread of information of 47,000, a potential 47,000 deaths. You just can't. 47,000 deaths, hundreds of miscarriages, long-term ailments. You just can't. You can, There's no fucking way you can prevent that. When all those people just start dying and a whole town of dead people just happens to show up. It's just not possible. So, you know, I appreciate everything Oliver Stone does and what he tries to do and, you know, the overall good. But he needs to not, he can't downplay the potential disaster that took place. He can't downplay the disaster in general. He just can't. You you, you just, you can't. 40, over 40,000 people were evacuated. They could have died. Maybe how many, how many of them did? How many actually, like, because they were evacuated days after. How long were they exposed to the actual shit that was taking place? What happened to them? Where did they go? They were, they were, a, the city of Slavotik was built for people who were evacuated from Chernobyl and Pripyat. How many of them died after that? How many of them end up with uh, defects or ailments or cancer or who knows what else? So it's important that you take that into account. Nuclear is definitely a, a strong way to go when it comes to sufficient energy. I don't know if I put it in my car, but I can tell you this much. I'm okay with it being in my backyard. I'm not okay with it being in my food. And I'm not far away from an actual nuclear power plant that uh, powers our, our seaboard here. We have our we have a nuclear power plant right on the seacoast. Matter of fact, it's right by the beaches here. It's easy to spot. Don't I wouldn't fly a drone over it. Not saying I ever did. And not saying I ever would. Um, but he's... His interpretation of Chernobyl, in my opinion, is incorrect. Because if they didn't move those 47,000 people, I would certainly, based on my knowledge and understanding of nuclear power and nuclear fallout and everything like that, these people would have... Well, I think a lot of people, these people would have died. The amount of radiation that was at that place, and I don't mean like Fukushima. Fukushima was not... You can't compare Fukushima to Chernobyl. Seriously. We're talking about apples and radioactive grapefruits. Totally different animals. Um, not saying Fukushima was great. Fukushima was one of those things where a perfect storm and then shit got flooded and then pressure built up and then poof. But Chernobyl, different beast. Absolute disaster. Couldn't get any worse? Yeah, it actually could. Because Chernobyl was oh shit on top of oh shit on top of oh shit on top of oh shit because on top of you have 47,000 people you had to evacuate you had tons of people that went in there to liquidate and get rid of all the rubble 
and the co- all the fucking debris and get rid of that. Who knows where those guys went? Who knows what lives they led, if they lived any at all afterwards? Who knows how many of them died? You also had the fact that you had a lake nearby in Chernobyl. If you look at the map here of Chernobyl, let me go to the map here. Um, let me go to Google Maps. There was a there's a map. There's a there's a, a, a waterway, a giant water. So see Chernobyl. Um, there we go. You go to layers, and so Chernobyl. Where's that fucking power plant? Let's see. Chernobyl. Oh boy. Can I not spell today? Jesus Christ. Chernobyl Reactor 4. That's what I'm looking for. Come on. You gonna find it for me or are you just gonna fucking freeze? Let's see. There it is. Chernobyl. So Chernobyl currently covered by its second sarcophagus. There's a river right by it. A big river right by it. So if this... And the thing is is that there was... Because they covered it with like sand and boron in order to put the fire out, all it did... all it, Basically what it did was it caused the debris, the, you know, the melting essentially debris to sink further below the foundation of Chernobyl and continue to sink. So all this radioactive material that's burning hot, freaking red hot, melting through the core of Chernobyl, melting through its infrastructure. Well, underneath it is water and next to it is water. And if it were to, from what I understand from the, from according to the science, if it were to have touched water, a second meltdown would have occurred and a much larger meltdown would have occurred. And this First of all, if it touches water, then it's going everywhere. Okay, it's that Pripyat River is flowing. That Pripyat River flows all the way down to what the fuck is this place? What kind of river is that? What I don't even know what the name of this place. I'm not even sure I'm gonna. What is this place? This is the Dimyo River. The what? So it flows into this giant. river which continues going all the way i think through kiev so it goes all the way through kiev and floats all the way down i think into like the seas yeah so i mean it would have been an, a bigger disaster than it already was so you had your you had your initial explosion which blew the lid off the reactor you had and you also had several other reactors going at the same time. There wasn't just Reactor 4, Chernobyl. There was Reactor 3, Reactor 2. There was other reactors, okay? And if any of those were compromised, holy fucking hell, look the fuck out. So the disaster of Chernobyl, Oliver Stone should not be downplaying it. He needs to understand how bad that situation was and how radioactive everything was and still kind of is. You can drive through Chernobyl. The earthworms are a little bit bigger from what I understand, but apparently the animal the animal population there is thriving. They've adapted. Um, but that was a... I mean, as far as counting deaths and counting ailments post-Chernobyl incident, the, the amount of deaths are, in my opinion, untold. Because the amount of people that were required to resolve this issue immediately is insane the amount of people who were just dragged in there miners soldiers firefighters nurses doctors everyone the amount of money that was spent don't don't misinterpret that anybody who tells you that chernobyl was not that big of a deal chernobyl is the worst fucking nuclear disaster in history there's a reason we built a second sarcophagus on top of it, okay? If it wasn't that big a deal, the first one would have been perfectly fine. The first, first of all, it was, there. we're still, to this day, okay? This happened in 1986. This happened in, in 1986. And the sarcophagus... You know, there was one that was, there was one that we put a, they put a sarcophagus over it. It started rusting. Built in 1986. It's still radioactive. 
But they put that sarcophagus, that, that sarcophagus was starting to rust and fall apart. And if it would have caved in, it could have disturbed the radioactive debris that was still in there. You don't just walk up to the core. You can't even, you couldn't even fly over it. You couldn't even look at it, the amount of de fucking radiation that was pumping out of that. Okay? You might as well have licked fucking the, 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 the atomic bomb that dropped on Hiroshima. You might as well have licked it as, as it was falling down. So, I, his, his interpretation of what happened there is not, it's not a good way to go. Okay. That being said, I'm a huge fan or I'm a proponent of using nuclear energy to power our cities, to power our countrysides, to power all kinds of other items, to power our uh, satellites, to power our, sh our starships to get us to, from one location to another. It has so many possibilities, but there are so many dangers, just like anything else, just like with petrol, just like with lithium ion electric voltage batteries just like with cobalt, just like with any other source that you mine for and purify to use to make energy. There's always a danger in any of these things. Petrol easily catches fire. Lithium ion, when exposed to oxygen, bursts into flames. Radiation can be used for a lot of things. It can also be used to blow up whole cities and kill thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people. It can be used for that as well. So just understand, we should have a lot of nuclear power, but we should be far more responsible with it. We should not just play Chernobyl off like it was a minor incident. Three Mile Island was a minor incident, which turned into a, a fucking scare tactic type of movie. Chernobyl wasn't. No questions, I mean, no questions asked. That was not a small thing, a minor incident. That was a major catastrophe that could have been multiple major catastrophes. And I'll leave it at that. Um, so that being said, I'm still a fan of Oliver Stone. I'm still a fan of Oliver Stone. I still respect what he's trying to do and what he's trying to convey to us in some overall form. I just I'm not on I'm not on board when he says certain things about everything should be you know EV and everything should be uh, nuclear and stuff like that. It's like Hold on, pump your brakes, bro. You're a movie director. You're, you have a flair for the dramatic. Just park the brakes, son. You need to understand that, that, that it's not as simple as that, and you can't just play off this other shit in order to push your agenda. It's not that simple. Okay? Um, but you made Platoon. You got my respect. And I agree with you. There should absolutely be, absolutely be more emphasis on using nuclear energy to power cities. Period. End of sentence. If that's just if 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 that is your overall goal, sign me up, bro. Anyways, we are at 36 minutes. Let's go ahead and close up shop with some Q&A. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amounts appreciated. There's also the Weeble app. I strongly suggest you use it. The cash management system is great because you can essentially just fund your account. You don't have to invest in anything. You're just going to leave your money in there. It's protected by the federal. It's a, it's federally insured because it's basically going into a high yield bank account. You'll earn about 5% interest right now at this time. Um, if you just put your money in there and just let it sit and, and accrue interest, you don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to invest in anything. But if you want to do stock options, uh, if you want to do cash management, if you want to do trading, stay trading, long-term investing, um, uh, IRA investing, there, that's also available. There's a lot of things, ways you can use Weeble. I just recommend that you use it in general, and I have the affiliate link in the description down below. Anyways, let's rip that article monitor right up, and let's close up shop with Clue and Q&A. Dig.com Q&A. My mom refuses to acknowledge the upside of her marriage to my dad. He was not the best husband or father. I'll be the first to admit that. He was wrapped up in his work and left everything else to her. Sounds like every guy I know. But now that I've entered the same real guy, but now that I've entered the same branch of science he was in, I get it. It had to be that way in order for him to make the breakthroughs he did. That's respect. My mom divorced him two years ago, and he hasn't really gotten over it. He asks me when I see him whether she misses him, and I don't know what to say. I'm not saying she can't be happy, but she makes it all too clear that she doesn't miss him and talks endlessly about this guy she's dating like he's Mr. Wonderful. I know my dad can't see it, but it's kind of sickening that my sister and I can. Though my sister says my mom is entitled to be happy. I'm not saying she isn't, but tone it down a little, you know? I tried talking to her about it, 
presenting the good uh, of her 23-year marriage, saying she played a part in my father's work. She enabled him to do that research and wrote and write those papers, and she can be happy and proud of that. She said that because of her children, she wasn't sorry she married my dad, but she wasn't sorry she divorced him either. It's like she didn't even listen to me. So frustrating. Should I try another way to get through to her? Or just let it go. Um, I think you gotta kind of draw some boundaries of your own. So, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I know, obviously I have a mother. I've had a father, um, and I understand their strengths and their weaknesses and their faults and where they or their points of view. Let me put it that way. Maybe it wasn't strengths and weaknesses. Maybe it was just their viewpoints on things based on the lives that they lived in the times that they lived them in you know um and that's what shaped them and the way their parents raised them so giving them a you know time or silence or understanding that this is just how they are and understanding this is just how you are it's just some boundaries that you kind of have to draw and understand that you're not really going to change people, especially after 50, 60, 70 years of just existence. They're kind of they got to a they worked really hard to get to a point where they are comfortable with their mindset and they kind of want to ride that wave. And you kind of have to let them be that way. But they also need to understand that you have, you know, your life liberty and pursuit of meaning as well as they did they've earned theirs they've earned theirs you're trying to earn yours and i get that your dad is asking all the time but he does kind of need to let it go he understands that he lost something because he was working so hard to gain something it's it's an it's a thing he's just gonna have to accept and you'll have to see how this thing plays out with the girl the, the guy that your mom is you know in a relationship with now that could always completely fall apart and but you have to let her go through that because she's a grown woman and that's it that's case closed i mean i get it if it makes you feel sick i, I mean i understand what you're coming from but this is this is new to her and she just wants to feel some happiness before it all ends <laughs> let's move on to the next one uh, I share custody of my 11-year-old daughter with my ex, but he doesn't pay child support because I make more. We're talking about getting braces for her in the next few months because she has a very bad bite, including a serious gap between her top front teeth. My ex thinks gap teeth on women are sexy and beautiful. They are, or they certainly can be. So he wants the orthodontist to leave this alone while fixing the rest of her bite. Oh, okay. All right, so let's see where this goes. No, I don't think he has any creepy thoughts toward our daughter. He just wants her to be beautiful. Exactly. Flaws are beautiful. But I don't want to leave a major flaw in her teeth if I'm going to be the one paying for it, which I am. He has talked about this to our daughter, though, and now she wants to keep her gap. Should I respect this since it's her decision or put my foot down since it was influenced by her father? Um, talk about her concern. Talk about the concerns. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Bring it up. Let you know. See where this. he thinks one thing you think another um but if she wants to keep it hmm well here's the thing i don't think it's going to be a disadvantage to her this isn't we're not talking about you know something very highly controversial but if you're fixing the rest of her teeth um here, here's the thing it, it sets an example of you can't just solve everything via surgery you're fixing some major dental issues, orthodontic issues with her, which is great. But she thinks that the gap in her teeth, first of all, I don't know how big this gap is. Is it Michael Strahan gap or is it like, uh, you know, like a little tiny like Madonna gap? You know, the Madonna gap is actually, you know, that worked for her. You know, Cindy Crawford had like a little beauty mark or a mole type thing on her face. It turned out to be her greatest attribute central essentially as far as like iconic looks but um if she wants to keep it as long as you discuss it with her and she's still like yeah fuck it do everything else but keep the gap it's like okay there you go it's all right it's it's a d it's definitely a decent compromise uh let's do one more <clears throat> excuse me the company I work for decided last year to reward top sales performers with a nice cash bonus at the end of the year if they met certain sales goals. The bonus is tiered, 
with those selling the most getting a larger bonus. Bonus. Bonus! Additionally, we are awarded a trip and given a gift, but the gift is different for men and women. Just for an example, let's say we sell golf clubs, which we do not. The gift is a set of golf clubs for each person who meets the goal. All the men receive the same men's golf clubs and all the women receive the same women's golf clubs, and the golf clubs are fairly valuable. But the golf clubs the men receive are valued at 30% more than the ones the women receive, despite the fact that many of the women outperformed the men. I recognize that this is very generous of the company to give out these bonuses, which are substantial. However, any happiness I felt about my achievement is tempered by the fact that Emmy every woman received a less valuable gift i think it would have been better to only to only award the cash bonuses and skip the gift if the gift was not going to be of equal value am i being ungrateful and oversensitive is there a diplomatic way to bring this attention of the powers that be um well it really does depend on what what are they giving you as a gift i mean you you say yourself you're awarded a trip and given a gift so the gift is different. Now, is the trip, here's the thing. So is the gift less valuable, but is the trip more valuable? What are we talking about here? Um, and the bonus is tiered. So who's selling the, the most gets a larger bonus. Okay, you met certain sales goals. So for example, you sell golf clubs, which we do not. So if you sold a set of women's golf clubs and you were given a set of women's golf clubs, so you sold something that was valued, where you sold something that was valued less, therefore you received something that was valued less, or did you meet? Okay, did you said did you sell a pair of men's golf clubs? Okay, did you sell a two hundred? Let me put it this way: fuck this golf club shit. Did you? I'm a big fan of golf, by the way. Not watching it, playing it. Did you sell a two hundred dollar item and receive in a one hundred and fifty dollar gift? Or did you sell a $150 item and receive a $150 gift? And here's another thing. Did you receive a, did you sell a $150 gift? Or did you sell a $200 gift, receive a $150 gift, but receive a more valuable vacation? Just trying to understand here. I mean, if you're just telling it black and white here, that's like, okay, I don't, I don't know what you mean. What did you sell? What did you sell as opposed to what did you receive? I don't have all the. I don't feel like I have all the facts here. I feel like I'm missing something here. I mean, we can automatically, if you just look at it at face value, with the skewed viewpoint, it's like you should be receiving the same gift as men. I don't know what you're receiving as gifts. I don't know what you sold to begin with, and that's it. And I, I don't know where you stand as far as the 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 gift giving or the what you your tier system. I don't know anything about it. Obviously, you should be grateful if your company gives out bonuses or gives things in general, but I'm not sure what you're referring to as far as valuable gifts. Like, I felt my achievement was tempered by the fact that every woman receives a less valuable gift. What did you sell? What did you sell and what did you receive? I feel like I'm missing something here. So I can't honestly answer the question because I don't have, I don't feel like I have all the information. If you have concerns with your company, you absolutely bring them up. If you have questions, concerns, most certainly bring them up because maybe you're missing something or maybe they're missing something. That's all you can do. And if the problem obviously doesn't resolve itself where there happens to be an actual problem, then you can go ahead and work for another company if you feel that strongly about it. We are at 47 minutes. We're going to head and go ahead. We're going to go ahead and go ahead and then go ahead and go ahead and then go ahead and close up shop for this week's day Q&A and close up for the shop for this podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can go ahead and email me directly, positivesarcasm.com, uh, or you can go email me through my website, go to the contact section, blah, blah, blah. That's perfect. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at positive-sarcasm. Please, no dick pics. Thank you very much. Um, anywhere podcasts are available is the audio platform. The video version is now strictly available on Rumble. Go to rumble.com, type in positive sarcasm. I'll pop up. Look for the black hole logo. Uh, but audio, Substack, Podcast Addict, Apple Podcast, uh, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. There you go. Search it. You'll find it. Questions, concerns, comments, bodybuilding, for posing music. I have it. I'm the best at it. You know you. You know you want. You know you know. You know that I know that you know I am. In the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I'll talk to you all next week. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a positive sarcasm.
Tasche. Gib mir alles in der Shorts. Dreh und trink aus der Flasche. Interessiert mich nicht, ob's dir gefällt oder nicht. Yeah. Es ist Zeit für ein Duell. Wenn du verlierst, zahl ich nichts und dein Laden gehört mir. Boom, 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 buba, buba, blasen, glasen lassen. Boom, 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 nichts auf RTS, weit verpassen. Robbie Bubble, der Champagner, der Gangster. Halt meinen Kater aus dem Fenster, denn er fühlt sich wie Simba. Yeah.